no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. Oh! One more time. Oh! One more time. Welcome to the very centuries. On today's show, we recap day one and day two of Bears training camp and much, much more. And we are joined by special guest Mike Hughes. What's good, Press? What's the word, Dub? And hey, this summer, Mike's gonna be joining us all summer as we recap Bears training camp. But Mike, get on in here and talk to him, bro. Man, as is, I haven't seen Al in a minute, Bri, obviously, I always get the pleasure of seeing you at every Sky game. It's just a blast talking something other than Chicago Sky basketball for um, really breaking that down, man, talking about some Bears football. It's long overdue. I know everybody's been itching to get back into it, and we finally got some stuff to talk about. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I hope everybody enjoys the show. And if you're not following already, what are you doing, bro? Get in here like swimwear. Hit that follow button. <laughs> but man, artists, I mean, we're going to get right into it. You know, we don't belabor the point. Dub, I hope you're good, man. I haven't chopped it up with you all week. This, this has been crazy, all this. Just from being there at training camp, Mike, you bounced around. You were in coach training camp the other day. I'm down here at Indy right now covering Big City Media. They hit don't stop. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, bro. I mean, I was I was just talking to Bri the other day, made a trip out there four in the morning trying to get to Indy. Never been there in my life. Like, it, it just trying to check out Anthony Richardson, see some game. Um, it was a lot of fun, though. I had a blast. It, it was a great experience. It's been a crazy couple of days. Yeah, and, and to that point, because you know, I got a chance to kind of see some of the highlights that was going over at the Colts camp and all this. Don't worry, we're going to get into the bear shit. But I figured since Mike checked those guys out, it would be worth a, a little bit of conversation. Those Coast fans, they don't pull up like Bears fans. There were tickets still available on the website for Coast Trader Practice. I'm like, what is up with y'all? Y'all got a weak-ass fan base. Yep. <laughs> Dude, I got mine, I and I, I want it clear. I was not there as media. I, I got it there. I, I bought a $1 ticket. I bought a $1 ticket to Coach Training Camp and the day before. And I was like, I told Brian, I was like, how can I not go? You know what I mean? How can I not pass this up? Um, so, I, I, you know, it's, it's definitely something that, it's a weird feeling because you look at, I mean, you look anywhere right now, Facebook, the internet, StubHub, wherever you're going, Ticketmaster, Vivid Seas, you can't find a Bears training camp ticket to save nope. your life. Nowhere. <laughs> Nowhere. Even the Bears Colts uh, joint practice that's taking place next month. That's mm -hmm. the only practice on their site that sold out those two days. Yep, yep. So what that shows us, and this is something that our audience, they already know, we're the best fan base in the goddamn country. We ride out for our team. And that's why, you know, it pisses me off, man, when the national media, they have their little bullshit narratives about this city and what it's all about. Man, this is a football town, first and foremost. And that's why I'm so excited for this, guys, for what I've seen the first couple of days here at Pratt. Before we get into, like, just some of our general thoughts about day one and day two, Mike, I'm going to kick it over to you. What were some of your just, like, kind of opening thoughts as you heard Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles kind of talk through some things at their uh, press conference at training camp. What I love to hear, especially from Poles, which I'm still not a fan of the majority of the questions being to Ryan Poles. I understand that's your GM, but I'd like to see more vocalness from Matt Eberflus. I'd like to see him more involved. And I'm not a hater. I'm not, I'm not disbelieving in a guy like Matt Eberflus, but when – you don't have him answering a lot of the questions when you kind of just have him standing there as the head coach. Um, it makes me question a lot of things internally about like how they view him moving forward when we are finally ready to get in that win now mode. I would like to see a little bit more vocalness from him. I also understand that's not really his thing though either. You know what I mean? Like he's a very, he leads by example and it's a very internal thing. He's not going to go out there like a Matt Nagy and, and be a car salesman, you know, trying to feed us BS every year. But um, a, a couple quotes that I really loved was sticking to the plan and mastering your craft by by Ryan Poles. And I think it's the little things like that. You're, you're not feeding me these lies of, oh, well, this is this is what's changed. This is what's different. This is what it's going to be. This is what I want it to be. 
Ryan Poles is going out there saying, this is what it is. And here are the execution steps that we need to take in order to just be great and, and be that championship level of football. He even spoke on how important it was to get to that. And as much as he would love for them to automatically come out the gate and, and be electrifying and be one of the best play, but one of the best teams in the NFC, it's just not simply going to be the case. It's not going to happen overnight, but they're taking the right steps. They're trusting a process. And the fact that there is a process it is so different from the the circus that was the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy era of just, hey, maybe we'll just throw in a different quarterback with the same roster, not make any changes, and, and we'll see what happens. So I, I love that. I, I felt like it was it's a breath of fresh air, it, not to be corny, but like it, it's a breath of it's a breath of fresh air to hear a guy who actually has a set plan, who actually understands the game, who actually, you know, was an NFL player and a and a Bears player. Didn't make the team, but you know, he, he was there. He was there in training camp. Got cut, but he was there. Um, I, I think it's dope. There was a lot of stuff that I thought from what polls had to say. It also even when Eberflus got a chance to speak on it, I, I will say this: when Eberflus talk about that flag thirty. 34 represent Walter Payton for the most. That, that represents a lot for me. Just saying, hey, you know what? We're never going to forget about, you know what I'm saying, sweetness. Not at all. It's a birthday. We're going to always salute him. So that just shows you how you feel about former players here that plays with this team, you know. And he's always been that type of guy that really cherished the history, right, that comes with this team. But some of the things you went and talked about of what these guys were talking about, um, you know, in the presser, I think a couple of things came to my mind as well. When Paul started talking about you, right, that championship mindset, I thought that was key of talking about building that, right? Because he's right. We got to continue to build that. And he see that some of these players have some of that competitive nature in them that's building towards that. So I thought that was a good mindset for Ryan Poles to say what he's really trying to do with this team because he understands the history of it as well, where we are and what we're trying to get to. And it's going to take some time, right, as you mentioned, Mike. But the fact that they're focusing on that, using this training camp to continue to build things like skill development, the person, the unit, the football team, and developing schemes and all that stuff, they're trying to get better as a unit, a cohesive unit, and trying to work towards a goal. Because you're right, we got so many new pieces here with this team, and we're trying to bring it all together. But the most important thing is looking at yourself, seeing what you do wrong, and how to fix it, and use this training camp to do that. So those are some of those things I saw that Ryan Poles and Iberfuz sort of touched in on. I think Iberfuz provided a little bit more context than maybe Poles did as far as the day-to-day -day on the field. I was really impressed with Ryan Poles. I continue to be impressed with him. Not only just what he's done, basically with this roster, but anytime he gets in front of the microphone, it's not a fucking word salad like we've been used to in the past, right? Right. He's accountable and he's not afraid of the media. He's not afraid of talking to the fan base. I really respect that. And also, too, one of the things that you guys didn't touch on was that he touched on, or one of the things that you guys didn't touch on is he focused on the health of the roster. Yep. Right? And you guys know that the shit storm that happened when Chase Claypool was put on the pup list. For one fucking day, the whole fan base lost their fucking shit, right? <laughs> yep. My man, he did back in the day, man. Everybody lost their goddamn money. Y'all got to do better out here, man. Like, stop. It was bullshit. But right. I like the fact, though, guys, that he's focused on the health of the team. Give me some updates on Mooney. Like, those are things that we want to know. We want to know what's going on with Sam Moore. In the past, I just felt like the, the regimes, they weren't transparent with the with no. the fans. They weren't transparent with the media. That was one of the things that I really liked. And also, too, guys. Did you hear what he said about Darnell Wright? Woo! Talk to me. Paul's being a former offensive line in the league. I also had a little cup of coffee here in Chicago. He knows that offensive line position, man. This man mm -hmm. talking about, man, Mr. Wright crushed his workout. Yeah. He yep. broke a sweat. I said, oh, like, God damn. God damn. I mean, that yeah, kid that kid's an absolute stud, man. My bad, my bad, Al. But I, I, I've watched that kid in person my entire 2022 season I covered the Tennessee Volunteers for media um Darnell Wright bro is is one of those guys that I didn't think I don't I didn't think we'd get him I, I really didn't obviously there were a couple offensive linemen in front of him kid from Ohio State kid from Northwestern um and I thought typical Bears will go that route and go after guys like that but they got a steal in this kid. I call him the bulldozer. I think that's exactly who he is. I mean, this kid's huge, but I mean, he moves and he makes you move. You either move or get moved with this kid. So it's a lot of fun watching him ball. And to you both, both of you all's point, Perez, he talked about how he lost weight, yep. the body fat, you know, and to your point, Perez, crushing the conditioning test. I mean, Poles had nothing but great things to share about this kid and how he really cares and all those different things and how he wanted to continue to get better. I mean, for that standpoint, you can't get no higher praise than that coming out of Ryan Poles. 
Yep. But you know, one of the things too that I like, and again, the whole thing that I talk about with transparency. Yep. He addressed the fucking gorilla in the room. And we know that gorilla in the room is what the hell are we gonna do about an edge rush? Yeah. But you know what? I like how he did it, right? He acknowledged that they need to upgrade there, but he didn't fucking throw the players under the bus that are there right now, right? That's leadership. Right. right. And I think there's gonna be interesting to see how this thing unfolds because we see where Gakway has come out and said. He's got an interest in coming here in Chicago, but he wants a multi-year deal. Yeah, I think that's a huge issue. I, and I think the reason that's a huge issue is obviously the age with Ngakwe and, and what he can provide to this team. I think he's a solid pass rusher, but he reminds me a lot of Walker. You're kind of just here right now to fill that slot. There's going to be guys that are going to be potentially become available either via trade or via free agency. You have Chase Young, who obviously is the counterpart and the co-captain to Justin Fields at Ohio State. And if you could reunite those two going into 2024, 2025, I think that's a beautiful thing. You got a guy like Joey Bosa. It's Joey or Nick, one of them. Um, I forget which one it is, but one of them is holding out right now because of contract conversations. They said, oh, you guys won't pay me, then I don't want to be here. I believe it's Joey. Um, and, and you're having these conversations in your head like, I'll pay one of the Bosa brothers to come here. You know what I mean? I got no issue paying one of the Bosa brothers to come here. Um, we could get Chase and and Joey. Who I don't care what it is. Like, we can afford both of them right now. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing. So I like that you're desperate and getting better but you're not desperate enough to just sign anybody. You're not going to sign Robert Quinn to one of the fattest deals and then pray to God that somehow, some way, he breaks Richard Dent's record in a single season. Like it, that, Those things don't always happen. We saw Ryan Pace do that constantly of just signing guys like Mike Glennon, Leonard Floyd, and a bunch of other guys who just kind of okay. didn't deserve those kind of deals. And, and I think those are situations right now for Ryan Poles that he does not care. Like, if you don't want to be here, okay, cool. We saw that with, and to, to your point, Al, Darnell Wright was a breath of fresh air as well because you look at a guy like Tevin Jenkins last year who was moping around during training camp, wasn't really feeling that, wasn't feeling the energy of I'm moving to a guard spot. You know, to hear this, that in a span of a year, Tevin Jenkins' mentality has changed. You're bringing in more guys with that same mentality, and it's just a beautiful thing. So I like it a lot. Um if we if we end up running it with this same squad, I'm not I'm not mad about it. You know what I mean? Of course you want to get better, but I, I think we're in a really good spot regardless. And as he talk about adding, you know, older players to the team, one thing Ryan Poles always talk about, you know, is that hey, sometimes you want you want to add older players, but you don't want to hurt your team with these crazy contracts, right? And I think that's something he's always tried to play both sides of it. Looking where we are now, look what we can do to build it and not put us in a bad situation with older players in contracts. So I like the idea where Ron Poles that he's not against it, just want to do it the smart way. Mike, he, uh, Mike, Mike Hughes over here, he got a lot of ideas about the, the pass rush. And I mean, he, he throwing out all these Ohio State names and I'm over here getting sweaty. I'm like, that's a lot of Ohio State players on that roster. You know, I can only probably deal with a couple. Justin's eating going nowhere, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, man, a hundred percent, bro. I'm not, I'm not an Ohio State fan. I need that clear out there. We're GBO over here. Go Big Orange. Uh, always rocking. Them. <laughs> don't, don't ask me how a kid from Chicago ended up in Tennessee. It just happened. You know what I mean? But it just happened. <laughs> but um, it, it's something for me that that's what I love about this team. To your point, bro, like to be to be real about it and, and to have a conversation. How many Chicagoland natives do we have on this team? I mean, you have Cole Komet, Jack Sanborn, TJ Edwards, and a few other cats who are from here. And I love that energy. I love that. And Robert Tunyon is another guy who has been so important to the future of this team. And, and even though, you know, he's rocking with the ops for a little bit, he was doing his thing. But underneath that Packers jersey, he always had a Bears t-shirt underneath. So you love to see that. And I think that's something right now that you're building that commodity. You know, that's why Marvin Harrison Jr., I think the draft standings for next season are going to be very important for the Chicago Bears. If you can build Justin Fields, a team that he already has a connection with, I mean, you're in a beautiful place. We've seen teams like the Bengals do it and immediately go to the Super Bowl with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Um, Joe Shiesty took a mad fall today. I'm, I'm praying for him. But, you know, it, it's definitely something that I think benefits this team. I, unless, you're, unless you're putting around a bunch of goofballs, you know what I mean? If you sign the entire team of Northwestern football, you're going to be in a really bad spot. But when you're getting guys <laughs> from top schools, it, it, it's a great position to be in. Now, one thing that I want to kind of table, and you talk about the local aspect of the roster, right? So there's a couple of names that you rattled off. Obviously, Cole Komet got that extension. 
want to get you guys' thoughts on that next. But one of the comments that I wanted to make is a guy like Robert Sonny, off the radar silence, under the radar silence for Ryan Poles because it didn't get a lot of attention from the media. Obviously, the national people didn't really say too much about it. But when you look at this Bears offense potential, right, and Alan and I talk about it a lot on this show, the weapons that Justin Fields has at his disposal coming into this season, it's the best that we've seen on this Bears offense since Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall were here mm-hmm. in Chicago. Now, you want to know what year that was? What year was that, Doug? Hmm. It wasn't in the last fucking five or six years. You know, so right, right. I know, right. <laughs> I think that was, was like, I think I was like 14, man. I think. <laughs> yeah, you were a little short. You just learned about t- uh, Tennessee. But, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but, if it, but the, the reason why I make that comment, though, is a guy like Robert Tanya is going to come in here. He's going to solidify that red zone offense. That was one of the areas last season that I really thought our offense broke down once it got anywhere within that red zone area, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of us right. were like, why is it Cole Kibbe getting targeted there? Well, now you got a legit target down there, that red zone in Tanya, and I think that's going to be huge for this yeah. offense. And also, if you're a fan of Madden, they gave him a 96 catching rating. I know it's just a video game, but I'm going to be doing tight end attack all fucking year it's gonna be a beautiful thing we're gonna do the pick and roll roll out go for it big bomb the tunyon we're gonna get tutties all day love it so what are you guys thoughts on that extension for cole Kement, man four years 50 million that cole out here get that cash well friends talk about cold world that is cold world right there for his <laughs> and your boy cashed in man it, it just tells you what they think of him right um they like the growth in him they like what he's able to do when he's talking about in terms of blocking, we like what he's able to do in terms of catching the football. We've seen, as, as you and I talked about, Perez, how he's been getting better in the catching the football, right? I mean, he's been a target. Uh, he's made some nice touchdowns this past season and looked good, man. At one time, he was looking just had a good look three, four week span. And um, the fact that we're starting to see him become more and more involved in the offense says a lot. And it just shows you how Ryan Foles feels that he's a, a big part of what we're trying to accomplish. And again, it's not just about the catches. It's what he does when it, in terms of blocking. And when you get a guy who can block extremely well as he can, plays physical, plays a lot of hard, and continue to t- get better each year, it says a lot about Cole Komet. And the fact that now he's getting the bag says that, hey, that $12.5 million per year is going to look really good for him. Yeah, most definitely. And, and you know, something, something that I think is so important is locking up guys before a season like this. Now, before anything, this could be the worst Chicago Bears season we've ever seen. You never know until you know. But when you have the expectations, when you have the new offensive line, when you bring in a guy like DJ Moore, Robert Tunyon, to really just allow Cole Komet. And, you know, I'm going to give Bry some love. When you bring in a Chase Claypool, when you do those things and you allow just Cole Komet to be himself, Cole Komet doesn't need the block anymore. Cole Komet shouldn't have to because you bring in a guy like Darnell Wright. You have Tevin Jenkins going into another year fully healthy. You know, you have these conversations with yourself that we have to lock this guy up right now because what he has the potential to do this season could go from $50 million to 70. And what I liked a lot, Chicago Bears in 2024 have a lot of fucking money, a lot of money. And you made sure that in the first year of his deal, he only has 30, I I believe it's like 30 to $32 million guaranteed on that deal, aside from incentives. Um, And and in the first year, he's making $20 million. So when you look at that and you go, okay, let's say Cole Komet doesn't work out. After that, the other following three years, he's going to be roughly making a little more than $4 million a year to get that rest of the 30. I mean, it's a beautiful thing the way he set that up. Hey, we're going to give you $20 million in the first year of this deal, and then the rest is up mm-hmm. to you. The rest is pocket change. So let's say he doesn't work out. I'm not saying he won't. I think Cole Komet's great. I think he, he was a top 10 tight end in so many different categories last year. And I've been very critical on him in his first couple of years in Chicago, especially that first year with Matt Nagy. He just wasn't utilized at, correctly at all. And neither right. was Jimmy Graham. And that was the most frustrating part. But I think it's going to be really exciting to see how underpaid he's going to be three years from now when you look at how productive he could potentially be. I think this is a steal for the Bears. I think so, too, especially when you look at this tight end market. I mean, look at a guy like T.J. Hawkinson. The price price on the brick went up, you know what I mean? And that's one of those things that I thought this was a smart and shrewd move by the Bears organizational, blocking him up to a deal that I thought was not only team-friendly to the point Mike made, but think about it, man. They cut so many teams to the with these tight ends. And when you look at it last year with Cole Komet, we still haven't even seen the best of what this kid can do. He led our team in catches, receiving yards, and fucking receiving touchdowns. He set a career high in that category. 
and he's only scratching the surface of what he can do. Imagine what he's going to be able to do this season to the point the mic made when you don't have to keep him in the block because the offensive line is fucking trash. Right? right. Get him out there where he's running those fucking routes. And I always talk about in this show, Cole Commitment, a lot of times I forget that this kid's from Barrington with the way that he runs that football and he will not fucking go down. I'm like, boy, that boy, man, he brought like he from the South Side. I'm like, boy, talk <laughs> to him, man. Love him. Great deal. Great fucking deal. I love what you said about him on that, in that note, man. And see, the point here, we talk about uh, wide receivers for how good they can be. The fact that Cole Komet hasn't really been talked about that much at all of this, really, because, you know, you got DJ Moore taking all the, the hype. We talk about Money Moon. You know me, Perez. I'm a big Money Moon fan. We talk about what Claypool can do as well. I know there's been some criticism of him, but the fact we know he, what he's capable of doing is what we've seen him with Stills, what he's able to do. But the thing is, you think about all that and say, okay, who's the one guy that can be very productive without having the spotlight? That's Komet. He's the one guy you can say, you know what? They're not worried about him like they worry about these other guys. He can feast. <laughs> he's the guy that probably could be, be second leader if you talk about in terms of statistics for this team. Yeah, without a doubt. And and Brian, I want I want to give a shout out to Brian because he's the one that made sure I listened to that press conference. I really just knocked it down in depth. And, and I thought it was hilarious. And I meant to message you guys about how literally during the first day press conference, Ryan Poles was asked about who he's talking to in extensions, whether that's Jalen Johnson or Cole Komet. And he said, don't worry about it. Like, we'll let you know when you know. <laughs> the next day, the next day, I mean, there was obviously these conversations have been happening and, and you wouldn't even know. Like this guy, he's so transparent, but so also on, on his own scale of what he's doing in his own world, that things that, you know, he's not allowing us that access. He's not saying, oh, we want an extension. He's not saying he's going to give us these things. And I think that's something you used to be very frustrated about with previous Bears teams. Like, oh, no, we're going to resign these guys. We're going to see what's going on. I mean, I just wrote an article about the Cubs, about, you know, extending all these other guys. So it's nice to have a Chicago team that they don't talk about it. They are about it. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing. And, and for that to happen the very next day, I think is just amazing. That was amazing. And it's funny that you did. You brought that part up, Mike, because I was thinking about that too. And I was also thinking about – what the hell is Darnell Mooney really thinking? Because I know that the media talked to Darnell Mooney. He was like, I love Cole. That's my guy. And I know he kind of said that he wanted to get paid too. But, but Doug, I got to ask you, like, Doug's the biggest, we, we call him Money Moon on the show. He's the biggest Darnell Mooney fan I know. <laughs> Do you think that he cares that he wasn't the first one that got taken care of? No, I don't think he cares too much about that, Perez. I think he understands the business a lot better. You know, after you saw what he, what happened with Allen Robinson and seeing how things transpired there. So you, you start to realize that, of course, it's still a business, right? And then you're coming off injury. You got to realize you got to perform and show what you're capable of doing. And for him to have a year that seems to be a, that appear to be a setback right here of going the wrong direction. When we talk about statistical standpoint. He knows that he has to show this team what he's capable of. Because, you know, last year he was the number one receiver. And honestly, didn't pay up to play up to par. Didn't look like it at all, right? So now you're like, I got to have a bounce back here right now to show this franchise what kind of player I truly am. So I don't think he really worried too much about that press. I think he's worried about one getting healthy and one coming up there and trying to perform and show this team that hey, he's gonna be about a piece to the to the puzzle. I think that's a great point too. I'm a big Mooney guy, so Al, you know, I'm always rocking with you, Dub. I'm always gonna be there with you. <laughs> In his first year, it's a it's a carousel of of who's your quarterback. Year two, you have over a thousand yards. That's amazing. Obviously, going into year three, it wasn't what you wanted it to be. But also with Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham not there, a lot of the focus was towards him because let's be real, Pettis is yep. boo boo. You have Byron Pringle, who's boo boo. I mean, it's just exactly what it is. So for yep. him to say, I have one year that's whatever, I have one year that's great, and another year that's eh. You, you can't sit there and set that market yet where, as with Cole Komet, it's kind of like, well, look at the tight end market. This is kind of as good as it's going to get. With Darnell Mooney, if he has a phenomenal season, I mean, you're looking at a guy who might get paid double what he could have gotten paid this year. So I think he's betting on himself more than anything. And I think that's a fair point, but you also got to think about it, too. Chase Claypool's also angling for an extension. Yeah. yeah. They're, both, <laughs> they're, both, they're both not getting it, right? So that's another thing to kind of keep in mind here. Well, Cole Komet was that guy that got re-upped. He's the only one in that tight end room that's getting paid. Mm -hmm. I got DJ Moore that came here on a big contract. Yep. Right. So Ryan Poles, as we know, there ain't going to be no sentiment. He's going to do what's in the best interest of this organization. And that's why, for me, when I think, when I look at a Darnell Mooney, it's going to be less about his production in the field. I think they want to see, A, is he healthy? 
right? Yeah. So this ramp, this ramp up period for him is going to be really important. They already know what he could do on the football field, right? That that's yep. that's neither here nor there. He was miscast last season as a wide receiver one. We've already discussed that on the show. Not him. Yep. But I think with a guy like that as a wide receiver too, to a DJ Moore, that's more likely for what we should see is him being successful in the future. But don't sleep on Chase Claypool though, because me and Mike were talking about it earlier in the week. Chase Claypool, size, speed, just the athleticism, what right. he can do on the football field, when his mind is right, when he's healthy, when he knows what the fuck he's doing out there on the field. I mean, dude, you can't discount what that can do for an offense. DJ Moore is now entering this team. DJ Moore is not the leader of this team. I think Darnell Mooney alongside Justin Fields is the leader of this team. You see workouts. When, when I remember back in 2020, 2021, when Justin Fields was drafted and Matt Nagy forbid Justin Fields to work with the first stringers or the second stringers in preseason and training camp. Darnell Mooney still was the only one. It wasn't Allen Robinson. It wasn't Cole Komet. It wasn't David Montgomery. It was Darnell Mooney staying after practice and in going into year two when he didn't have anything to prove. He didn't have to help this kid. And he stayed after practice every day to work with Justin Fields. And why did Darnell Mooney have over a thousand yards that season was because that was the only person Justin Fields knew and already had time to work with. So I think they view him kind of as a leader. And to Chase's point, again, I praised Claypool for his athletic ability, who he is on the field as a player. But I talked to Bri about this just the other day. When a guy like Mike Tomlin gives up on you, it's not because of who you are. I mean, he's dealt with Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown, George Pickens as of late. You're looking at a guy like that and you look at Chase Claypool. Why am I the odd man out? Everybody's working right now in the offseason with Justin Fields and Ryan Poles even expressed that in the press conference. Hey, listen. Like, I'm ecstatic that these guys are working out on their own. It was Herbert, Komet, Mooney, DJ Moore, Justin Fields. And then I got <laughs> I got my guy Claypool out here in a dress in Paris. And I'm trying to figure out, like, what's going on? Like, why aren't you working with the team? So if it came down to those two, I, I think as a leader, far more than just as a player, I'm rocking with Mooney. And, and I like Claypool as a player. But who are you going to be? You but in the day, you got to prove that, hey, you can play, you can fit in. This could, can be a cohesive unit. And if you're down to the fact of both of them playing well, who do you choose? That's a tough decision on Ryan Poles to decide where you want to go with that. I mean, yep. you wouldn't get loaded at so much at the wide receiver group. I like the fact that the team has gotten better at the wide receiver group in general. But now I want to see, can they all compete and do great together and have success? This is where I was going with the whole Chase Claypool talk track. Because, as we mentioned on the show before, with Tyler Scott, and I think his ascension is probably going to make a guy like Darnell Mooney expendable. Mike, I do agree with what you're saying about the leadership component. There was so much more than Darnell, Darnell Mooney's leadership than just that one example. Darnell Mooney, his first expensive purchase in the league was a fucking junk machine. Most guys, when they come in the league, they're trying to buy a tricked-out car, and they want to show up to training camp awesome. My man went invested in the jugs machine, and guess what? He didn't drop the ball much as a rookie. He was a reliable target. So I think one of the things with Darnell Mooney is he did lead by example. A guy like Chase Claypool, he's got a lot to learn. Mike Tomlin did probably give up on him. But Ryan Poles also threw a fucking premium draft pick at him as well. That didn't probably hurt him at all. But one of the biggest things with Chase Claypool, why he's been so polarizing, is people focus so much on what the guy's doing in his free time. I don't give a fuck what the guy's wearing. Right. We're addressed. Dennis Rodman did that shit. And guess what? Dennis Rodman went out and grabbed 20 goddamn rebounds. Hey, you know right. But the big thing with the Chase Claypool, he just needs to get his mind right. I think right now, you got a guy that's probably had a lot of different interests outside of football, but he don't have that same killer instinct that, that maybe some of these other guys that you guys mentioned that were there working out. Like Cole Komet, who was trying to get that contract extension, right? A guy like Darnell Mooney, who's trying to ramp back up. DJ Moore, who's trying to gain that chemistry with Justin Fields. So, to that point, I agree 100% what you guys are both saying. But just know there's only so much money that's going to go around. Yep. yep. They got a tough decision that they got to make. And I don't want to be Ryan Poles at all. I mean, that, that, that's no. a tough decision, bro. I think it was Al that made the point of DJ Moore becoming into the fold. And obviously, Tyler Scott, with to your point, Brian, talking about becoming expendable. And something that I think is so critical is the other side of the ball. Again, we need a pass rusher. They don't come cheap. 
and you look at that cornerback room, we've even heard Ryan Poles express that, you know, we're, we're, we're still interested in bringing in a couple free agents that could potentially be at the cornerback position because any competition is good competition. I like Tyreek Stevenson. I like Kyler Gordon in the slot. I think is myself as a former DB. Um, I think he has a lot of talent in the world. I think he just needs to be in the right situation. But the X factor right there is going to be Jalen Johnson. And if it comes down to it, who do you guys want? Darnell Mooney when you already have DJ Moore? Or do you want Jalen Johnson, who's already solidified, who, A, he might not have the interceptions, but that guy sticks to you like glue like nobody I've ever seen. So I think it's going to be really conflicting when you're looking at the pass rushers and you're looking at re-signing Jalen Johnson. There's going to be a lot that goes into it furthermore than just Mooney versus Claypool. Yeah, those are some of the complexities that we kind of talked about on, on some other spells. You got to realize we have a whole offseason to kind of bounce some of these ideas off. But I will say Jalen Johnson, everybody knows this to this show, they know – we believe and we rock with JJ. But again, Ryan Poles, man, he's always, always thinking ahead, thinking forward. And Jalen Johnson, as I've mentioned on the show before, has not played a complete season. He's had some durability issues. Now, we know he can lock people up. But Ryan Poles is probably thinking about Jalen Johnson and that long-term health, shoulder. We know that he's had a lot of issues there. So you got to think about it. You never know fully what – these GMs are thinking when they're looking at a player and how they're evaluating that player. Because Jalen Johnson can be looking at this stuff and thinking, I'm a number one, I'm a shutdown. And Ryan Pope could be looking like, nah, son, you like a number two, really. So you just never know. Yeah. And that's why negotiations in this league, guys, man, that's why it's like you got to have an agent because you don't have to hear what these teams really thinking, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> that's what bothered Roquan last year is he heard how the team evaluated. And he got in his feelings. I think they evaluated him great, though, to be completely honest. I mean, I never saw I, – I never looked at – respectfully, I never looked at Roquan Smith and said top three linebacker in this league. Now, he does a lot. I'd say top five for sure. But highest paid ever, that was that was crazy. That was crazy. Yeah, we, we, we shall see. I, I'm glad we didn't do it. But, uh, hey, the Ravens, that's – I don't know. At least they paid Lamar. Because if they had paid Lamar, they would just overspent on uh, Roquan. I would have been like, man, what are y'all doing over there? I would have I lost my mind. I would have lost my mind if they paid Roe and not Lamar, man. I'm a big Lamar guy. That's what's up. But, hey, guys, man, let's get into day one and day two. I mean, we kind of exhausted a little bit of some of the other aspects of training camp. But day one and day two. Now, I know you guys weren't there as much, but, I mean, you guys were still following it virtually. So one of the things I'm just going to kind of kick off on, on day one that I thought was kind of interesting. Justin Fields. Now, a lot of people, and, you know, we talked about it on the show many times, the key is is Justin Fields, his development, him evolving into that passion. Right? We already saw what Justin Fields was able to do running the football last year. Great, yada, yada. But one of the things that I was really watching for in that first practice was seeing how Justin was moving out there, man, seeing how he was walking through his reads. And I was really impressed, man. The guy has such command of his offense. Al and I talked on the show a couple episodes about how Justin was talking about how he wanted to make this offense his offense. And one of the things that I noticed with, with Justin was he just looked cool and calm out there. That, And I know everybody on Twitter, they were all talking about the highlights, the throw that he made to DJ Moore, which that shit was disgustingly fucking awesome. But Justin Fields, man, what did you get you guys is like, just like, quick little just assessment, just not only what he did in that practice, but just your quick assessment of why he's going to be so important to this team this season. Um, he's starting to read things a lot quicker than he probably have done in the past. You talk about the time and the way he's getting rid of the football. It looks good. You can see that element of his game really starting to improve more so than it was last year. I know it's early, right? It's real early to talk about that. But so far in this training, that's what you're starting to see with him, the comfortability in himself. The fact that he probably have analyzed himself, looked in the mirror and see that, hey, I got some holes in my game that we talked a lot about and realized that, you know, I have to improve those things. And right now, you can see that he's putting it all together. And then on top of that, Perez, you can tell he's been working with the wide receiver group in the offseason because that level of confidence that he's having with them and each other, even with DJ Moore, people talk about the highlights. It's not just about the highlight itself. It's about the fact that they know what's going on out on the field together. And they starting to recognize what each one can do with each other. So it's like, for me, I just – Loved of the fact that even just seeing his old demeanor that you talked about, Perez, the comfortability, the preparedness, it seems like Justin Fields is ready, man. I mean, I think 
one of my biggest things for me is is looking at, like I mentioned earlier, Ohio State and looking at who he was in college. And I think it's really important when you break down a wide receiver or a quarterback that comes from such a high school and a school that just produces five-star talent. We're talking Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, wherever it may be. Um, these conversations don't happen often when you look at the quarterback position. We have a lot of quarterbacks like the Patrick Mahomes of the world who come from Texas and a bunch of other teams. I mean, let's, start, let's look at Mitchell Trubisky who came from North Carolina and you're like, this kid's gonna need work. But Justin Fields understands what it takes to win games. Justin Fields understands what it's like to have number one wide receivers. I mean, you're looking at Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Jameson Williams, and so many others that Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and all these guys that he's played alongside with. So I, I look at this training camp and I say, I understand. We know you, you bring in Robert Tunyon, you bring in Chase Claypool, DJ Moore and company. I don't expect him to have any issue finding these guys. I found a lot of people talking, how is he going to be able to handle so many different faces, so many different people to get, get receptions to and just figure out how everyone's going to get their touches. Justin Fields had no issue with that at Ohio State. So the one thing I want to see for him is at an NFL level, I want to see him have that control, that composure, that footwork that we know that he can have to be able to utilize guys like this to his advantage. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be exciting. Again, I'm loving what I'm seeing so far. If you're breaking down his footwork, if you're breaking down the way he's just not targeting one guy. You remember his rookie year when he's just eyeing Allen, Allen Robinson the entire game. And you understand that like he's throwing it to Allen. And that's a big part of why Allen had a bad year. And another part of that was just Allen Robinson just had a horrible year. Um, but the breaking that down and understanding that you have all the pieces. Now, now it's time to get to work. So I think it's really exciting that he's taken that challenge. You've been talking about the 4,000 yards and, and really how, you know, that's a part of the, it's a part of the, you know, the bulletin board of, you know, things I want to do, but the main thing that he circles every single Sunday is winning. So I think that's something that to me, it speaks more volumes than this, his individual stats and who he's going to be. He's, he cares more about what happens with the team. No, and, I, and listen, I, I like both of you guys' breakdown of, of that because those are some of the things that I definitely observe with him. Because like I said, man, you get you have to be careful with the highlights that people post on Twitter, whether it's the media or the fan base, because yep. a lot of times people aren't taking the time to really focus on simple things, right? There was a simple completion that he made to Equinemia St. Brown on the first day of practice, and I kind of was like, okay, yep. this is for eight different this season. Okay, he, I, this is how he coming. Now, that deep Baltimore, oh, yeah, that, that's just going to get the, all the clicks on Twitter. But it's the simple things, bro. Those simple things of what completes a third-down conversion, right, that keeps us driving. Those are the things that gets my fucking blood pumping. And that's some of the stuff that I saw there in day one, right? I saw Darnell Mooney, your boy, Doug. Now, he didn't participate in team drills. But he had a nice little slant move that he made on Tyreek Stevenson in the school move. Now, Obviously, I'm not coming for Tyreek because he's a rookie, right? That's what's gonna happen. You don't get baptized like that. He's been getting he's right. been getting cooked a lot. He got cooked by DJ Moore too. It's been it's been rough, but it, it happens. <laughs> hey, but he's a rookie, man. You know what I'm saying? He's gonna learn from that, he's gonna get better from that. Cause listen, I'd rather have my big brother do it than some stranger to come and cook me. So man. true. Heard that. Heard that. But no, so I want to get you guys' thoughts though now on so to that point that you were bringing up, Mike, with a Tyreek Stevenson, right? We know very talented. Very highly touted draft pick that's coming in here. Most people acknowledge he'll probably be the starting corner there on that outside. Now, you mentioned, hey, he's getting cooked over there. But just can you talk just from your standpoint, just as, as evaluating talent for both of you guys, what are just some of your obvious observations of him as a player? But then also, too, how do you see he's going to be able to learn from his experience early on in camp? Yeah, I mean, especially myself, you know, as my whole life, I was a safety hybrid between DB and safety. And that was something to me that uh, a little bit of running back too. Um, but breaking that down in a serious note, even as a coach, I coach high school football and, and you understand the intangibles that this kid has. I mean, we talked a little bit about Chase Claypool earlier. You know, it's not the IQ that wows you. And it's not that they don't have a high IQ. It's the fact that you know, you look at their athleticism and you look at all these other things that just explode off the page. They just, it just, they're amazing. I mean, it's a great canvas of work that they can put together um, with, with his versatility, with his athleticism, with the way he just works. You see a kid who actually wants to be a part of this and wants that starting job. And I think that's something where you don't see that a lot, especially at that position. You see a lot of passive guys who are just willing to learn. This guy's going in here and he's saying, listen, I'm going to go 
one-on-one with DJ Moore. I'm going one-on-one with Darnell Mooney, and I got it. Like, don't worry. And listen, he don't got it, and it's and you should worry. But it's a beautiful thing right now in training camp to have those issues, to resolve those issues. We talk about it all the time. Mitchell Trubisky playing against the number one defense every single day in practice should benefit you. And playing against a wide receiver core every single day with Cole Komet, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, Robert Tunyon, and Justin Fields, who you have to be aware of all, at all times as well. It, it's a great situation to be in for a guy like Tyreek Stevenson. I, I think he's going to flourish. I think he's going to be a solid piece. The one thing I would like to see a little bit more from is his footwork. I'm very big on footwork. And I think Sometimes I think that's a part of why he's getting burnt is he's trying to figure out where he needs to be and he's anticipating where the ball is going to be, but more so for that position. That's why I love Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson isn't going to be the the digs of the cornerback room getting seven interceptions a year. You know what I mean? But the uh, alongside that, he's also not getting burnt like Diggs always is because Diggs is trying to anticipate where the ball is going to be. Guys like Jalen Johnson and Tyreek Stevenson need to be in that position to where they're like, listen, I don't care where the ball is. If it ends up in my hands, it ends up in my hands, but I'm sticking on my man. And and I think that's where a guy like Kyler Gordon will succeed in the slot. So I'd like to see him just focus a little bit more on the man on man, a little bit more on just understanding his assignment. And I think that's going to come in time. It looks like when you watch him play, it's like he's looking for the big plays, looking to get an interception, right? He's looking for that. And I think sometimes looking for it don't come to you. I think you play your man, be there where you need to be, handle your business right there in one-on-one matchups. I think they'll fare off well from your standpoint. But for me, I do like the fact that he's mentally tough. You can tell the kid is a worker. He can, he can get beat and come back to the next play and put it behind him and try to see what he can do differently on that next play. So that's one thing I like about this kid is that he's not a quitter, man. You talk about competition, being a competitor, I see that in him. He has that DNA right there, Perez. So if you all watch him play, you can see, you know, that when he's going out there and, and, and pretty much going those matchups, you can tell he's going to the best and trying to really win him, you know. But I think sometimes, you know, that little bit of a cockiness because you got a lot of talent because he does. He has some talent, man, at that position. You can tell that, you know what, maybe you're looking too much for that ball, you know, versus looking for where that player is at. No, I mean, you guys both hit it on the hand. I mean, Mike, with the DB talk, I mean, he's talking my language, Dub. I mean, that's the position I played, coached. So same thing there. So he's 100% right. And that's one of the things that we've talked about in the show when it comes to a Jalen Johnson of why he doesn't make more of those game-changing plays is because he's not doing what a Diggs does. Diggs gets beat a lot of times because he's staring in the backfield, right? He gets caught yep. in the backfield, right? He gets caught yep. And a guy like Jalen Johnson, I mean, he's just going to play smart football. He's going to deflect the football. He's going to keep it moving, right? You see a guy like Tyreek Stevenson, though. He comes from a program in Miami. We talk about the kid. You got to think about the way that he was coached up in college. And that's probably some parts of his game, which you guys both kind of touched on, the footwork, right? It is a problem because I did notice that, too. And a lot of that is he's standing flat-footed because he's looking in the backfield. And guess what yep. happened? DJ Moore's running right behind you. Yep. You guys both brought up great – you guys brought up great analysis there on that. And that's stuff that I think we all should be kind of looking at a lot a lot, a lot more going forward, whether it's with a Tyree Stevenson, whether it's with a Kyler Gordon going forward. But I'll tell you one thing. Going up against these offensive studs and weapons that Ryan Pose has put on this offense – well, his well position these guys. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson, man, he's going to be – when that first preseason game rolls around, he's going to be way better for this. Because if you talking about we got the Titans coming in here, man, they ain't got nobody that's going to fuck with us when it comes to a DJ Moore and these weapons that we got on offense. So it's like he's going to be ready. I'm not even worried about it. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, they always say it's something that I preach to the kids I coach, too, is like iron sharpens iron. Like, I understand at the end of the day, you want your interceptions, you want your yards, you want, you know, your your receptions, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day – when, when two guys want to beat the shit out of each other by the end of camp, it more times than not, it's a great thing. Now, now there's there's situations like Martellus Bennett and Kyle Fuller where it's not a great thing, but there, more times than not, it's great <laughs> when you have those kind of conversations. So I think it's exciting. I think it's going to be fun. Um, and the one point I did want to just say at the very end, I know how frustrating it is when you look at your stat sheet, especially for a guy like Johnson, especially for a guy like Stevenson, and you don't have any interceptions on the year. But to me, as a coach, you look at that and you go, listen, dude, you don't got interceptions because they're not throwing your way. And as long as they're not throwing your way, that's another guy that we don't got to worry about on their offense. We don't have to game plan for a guy like DJ Moore because we got a guy like Jalen Johnson locking them down. That's something that they need to anticipate. And that's something that I feel like these guys, obviously, and me, myself being 23, like you want to hop on the scene and you want to be the hottest thing since since Rice. You know what I mean? And you and you want to be there. And I get it. But understanding your role 
that's how you remain in this league. That's how you stay in this league. And that's how you're going to be a huge part of it. That's for football, basketball, baseball. Everybody wants to hit 40 home runs a year. But, hey, bro, if you could steal 25 bags a year, too, like, hey, you'll you'll have a spot for 15, 20 years in this league. So if he can figure himself out, which I think he can, it's going to be really exciting for the future. Well, one of those things, too, when you look at the real DBs, they know. They're looking at the targets, right? If nobody targeted me, then I can't make plays, right? I mean, Reef and Tyler. That was how it was for him. He shut down that whole side of that field. You weren't even you weren't even trying to attempt to throw the football at him. So no, I, I totally get that point. One more piece here on day one before I, I segue over to day two. I want to get you guys' thoughts on something that I noticed out there. Bellas Jones. And I know Dub, Dub had his, you know, his commentary to Bellas Jones last year, his, you know, rocky rookie season there. But he was returning a lot of punts there first day. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts there? Because this is a guy right here that I think is on the bubble of making this team. Listen, Dub, he's another Tennessee brother, man. You leave him be. <laughs> Watched a lot of Tennessee football, and Bayless Jones was one of those picks where I was like, I do not want this guy on the field unless he's returning kicks. And that's something that I was very disappointed about because I did think that was where he could excel. But I will say this. I will make this point. Bayless understood the assignment. We were getting the number one pick. He did everything he could to make sure we got the number one pick. So to that point, Bayless was a huge part of that. <laughs> Bayless was a huge, hey, where are we right now without Bayless Jones? Do we have DJ Moore? There's a lot of things we could say. Um, but I will, I, I think because of the situation we're in, I think you could see a little bit of Tyler Scott in that position. I think yep. you could see a little bit of Bayless Jones. Um, but I say, give him a shot. Give him a shot. Let's see what's going on. If the same thing's happening towards, you know, the end of training camp, the end of preseason, then obviously I think you got to cut your losses with that one and, and figure out what you're doing with him. Because he, I don't think if, – if not that, I don't think he's rosterable. And I mean that respectfully. I, I don't think he has a place there. Um, so I, I, I wish the best for him. I would, get, I would say this, because Mike hit a lot of good points when it comes down to Bayless. I look at the fact, because you and I talked about this, Perez, a lot with our wide receiver core. We're loaded right now. Where does he fit in at? That's probably the one spot we can give him opportunity. That alone with kickoff return, right? He's done well at kickoff return, I thought, last season. But now we get an opportunity to put him back there, punt return, to see if he can do a better job he did last season. And maybe redeem himself. Maybe he can. Maybe he cannot. But this is where his opportunity can come on this team at. It's right there, being a playmaker in punt return and putting this team in a good position when the offense step on the field, right? He has a chance to do that. So right now, putting them out right now, seeing what he's able to do, is a good sign right here. I give Ryan Poles, he proves a lot of credit for having him there right now because if it's not going to work out, we should see some early signs early on, hopefully. Now, one quick thing as we kind of transition to game two. So now, as of, as of, as of this recording, Bellas Jones is on pretty much a really solid day. So day one, we saw a little bit of him especially than today. And I thought Bellas Jones, he probably looked the best that I've seen him look in the Bears uniform. Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like this realizes the writing on the wall. Yep. To my point, when they drafted him, I think like, we just drafted a 25-year-old kicker off the turn. Cool story, right? We knew that he had a lot to develop as far as a wide receiver in the NFL. To your point, with the weapons that we have on offense, it's not going to be a lot of opportunities for this guy, especially with a draft and with Tyler Scott, who also <laughs> had a really strong practice today. So you got to look at it, man. There's so much competition on this roster, and we talk about this so much on this show. That is the biggest thing that I'm really stoked about this roster is the competition, man. You can't have any guy that's kicking his feet up right now thinking that he's good. Right. Because there's somebody over your shoulder, like I said. Bellas Jones has to step it up because he sees Tyler Scott coming. Darnell Moody's got to – he's chomping at the bit to get back on the practice field because he sees those two behind. So I love that, right? But Bellas Jones, though, today, the biggest thing, deep touchdown in the one-on-ones, kick off the power return to the point that you guys both made. Looks solid out there. We also saw Cleo Herbert get into reps and kickoff return. I didn't know how I felt about that one, guys. But uh, <laughs> he was back there at kickoff return. Herbert, I'm not cool with them being back there, Perez. I know you're not. You're not talking about that part of it. Um, because the thing is, we're looking for this guy to run the football. <laughs> That's yeah. what we want him at. Hey, kill it there. You know what I'm saying? As Perez talked about on the show, we talked about a lot. 
the, the room where the running backs look pretty good. But the thing is, I don't want to see Khalil Herbert getting hurt doing something he'll need to be doing. That's not his main job. And we got others who can do that role. So I want to see him doing what he's came that we want to pay him for. Hey, run that football. Yeah, most definitely. I'm a big Herb fan. So I was hoping it wasn't going in a, in a bad direction there, but I completely agree. And I think you've already seen Herbert in a lot of situations to where he's been injured and him and Monty kind of, kind of shared that IR the entire last two years. So I think it's it's putting him up in a situation to potentially fail. Um, but when you got a guy like Roshan Johnson, hey, we'll see what happens. <laughs> hey. But again, that's to the point we talked about with this roster being constructed the way it was. That's just more competition, iron shop and iron, as you mentioned earlier, because Dub and I have talked about this on the show. When they drafted Roshan Johnson, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, shit. Right. They signed Dotson for him, and I'm like, oh, shit. Right. Well, I'm thinking going into the season, Mike. I'm thinking, oh, this is Khalil Herbert, lead back. Let's go. Ryan Post. That's how I, I saw it, too. Not so fast. <laughs> don't get too comfortable. And nah. I, like, I like it. I just don't want him to kick off return. I saw it, and I cringed. I was like, oh. yeah, it's, it's, it's a very bad idea. It's a very bad especially for a guy who's been injury prone. It's a very bad idea. That's when he got hurt last year. You know, so mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't like it. I don't like today. Also, guys, that's the feels of DJ Moore. You guys probably saw the highlights because everybody throws everything on Twitter. I'm over here in my notes. These guys are posting everything on the internet. But again, bro, these two, the connection, the chemistry, it's fucking real, bro. If we can see that shit happen in, in, in the regular season, oh my god! I was watching the quarterbacks show on uh, Netflix, and I when uh, DJ Moore like had this like game time like sixty yard touchdown reception and the quarterback was so trashed and I was looking at he was like double covered and he still made the play and I'm like damn I said this is just a sign of things to come and I got really so fucking excited and when I saw that shit today with these two connecting time after time and today's practice is in front of fans so now they had a local audience behind them and I was like man this is a treat this is a fucking treat number one receiver y'all most definitely. Most definitely. His game is, yeah, I mean, I've always felt like he has top 10 wide receiver intangibles. He's just in one of the shittiest situations that is the Carolina Panthers. And he made the best out of it. I mean, we, we're seeing it kind of like Darnell Mooney back in 2021. You know, you're, you're having over a thousand yards with a carousel of a rookie quarterback, Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. That's an amazing situation to be in when you're really racking up those numbers. And DJ does that times 10. He does it with the touchdowns. He does it with the receptions. He does it with everything. I mean, you're talking a guy who's going to have over 90 receptions with Justin Fields, hopefully this season. So it's a lot of fun, man. And, and I think as much, Al, as much as I love my JF1 to Air Mooney, you know, I, I would love to see DJ Moore get a taste of that. What I can say to that piece of it is I love this connection between DJ Moore and Justin Fields. But my boy Money Moon was probably feeling like a stepchild right now because that's all he's been hearing. That's all we've been hearing, right? And, and part of the reason why he talked about, Perez, you and I talked about this as well, about being a little selfish, right? He can hear the noise. He can hear it, man. And all he's trying to show you all is that, hey, don't forget about me. <laughs> so when he comes back, I, I, I'm quite sure we're going to see a Money Moon that attack this thing with vengeance, man, because he, hear, he knows what's going on. And the fact is, it betters the team when both of them can do well together. But to you all's point, I love what I'm seeing right now between Justin Fields and DJ Moore. It's just an absolute joy to see that. And I'm telling you, man, we're going to have a fun season with those two. We really are. That's why I believe. I agree. And one thing that's kind of interesting about Mooney, he appreciates that the organization is kind of ramping him up slowly, but he wants to get back out there. You can tell, man. He, yep. this, this isn't, you know what I'm saying, other players in the past we've seen kind of milking camp and, and kind of off to the side, you know, in the shorts. He's over there, man. He's getting a ladder going. He, he wants to get back out there on the field, man. To the point that you guys both made earlier is because of the competition and the iron sharpers iron type of mentality. So I just can't wait to see him get back out there on the field. Now, one other thing that I wanted to talk to you guys about, baby, got me a little fired up. And I'm telling you guys, it don't take much from the audience. Y'all know how I get it. I'm a meathead <laughs> when it comes to this football shit. But Demarcus Walker, man, this guy right here, boy, he is always talking shit. He brings that fucking fire and that passion, man. And I'm telling you, that defense didn't have any of that last year. And there was a lot of intensity out there on the, on the practice field today. I loved it, man. Justin Jones got into some fucking Cody Whitehair's face. I was looking at this shit. I was like, okay, this defense, they got something to say this year. Because last year, that defense had no base in their voice at all. And, and you know, that's something that, that happens. Because exactly what you just said, 
You know what I mean? Like that defense did have voice. Traded them all away. You trade away Khalil Mack. You trade away Robert Quinn. You trade away, obviously, Roquan Smith and all these other guys. And guys like Eddie Jackson can't stay on the field to be able to be that voice. And I think even to that, how big of a voice is Eddie Jackson? I love Ajax. I love Bo Jack. He does amazing things. He talks a lot of shit. And I love that. He's very energetic, but he's not that guy who's going to terrify an offense. You know what I mean? He's not that guy who's just in the trenches that the quarterback's losing sleep over. He's kind of just that ball hawk that does the dirty work, and I love it. Um, guys like jo Jaquan Brisker, I, I love seeing what those guys do. I think they're amazing studs, and, and I think those are going to be guys that are pivotal for this defense. But to have a voice in the trenches that's going to be in that quarterback's ear the entire year, you're looking at a guy, 2021, he had 10 sacks. 2022, he had nine. Um, or pardon me, he had two sacks in 2021, and then a record, a career high in sacks, in, in seven sacks in 2022. This was his best season that we've ever seen. I was looking at his uh, assists real quick. Um, but looking at that and understanding, he's coming off his best year in Tennessee and potentially could be getting even better. You know what happens when you play in Chicago. You, I don't know how to tell you guys. Like It, it just completely changes your mindset. It completely changes the view of the trenches. The fans are kind of like that 11th man just doing their thing and, and you love to see it. And I think that's going to be something that's going to be so huge. So as, as lackluster as we are from a star standpoint at the, at the pass rush position, I think Walker is going to be great. I think so too. I think it's going to be very good. I mean, the guy coming in with a lot of confidence uh, coming off a pretty good year as well. And to what Mike's point pointed out with the number of sacks. I mean, this guy said, Hey, look, <laughs> I'm not sure what it was like last year here. This is what it's going to be like going forward with being here, you know, and he's making his mark. And I think I love a player like that who's confident, who talk a lot of trash, and is willing to back it up. So we have a guy like that coming this year on the field. That's what we want right there, Perez. Get tough and might hit the key word in the trenches. That's what we need to be better at. And last year we saw how bad we were. I mean, no need to talk about that, but we, Perez and I talked about that a lot. But now I think this year can be totally different, man, with players like DeMarcus walking others on that um, D-line looking to really make a big uh, impact. And I was just like, why well, I threw that in my notebook, man, because, like, when I saw that, I saw intensity. I didn't see yep. that. Like, you know what I mean? And, and Mike talked about all the guys that got traded away, but when I looked at the Bears' defense, I didn't see nothing last year. I, and, yep. and that's kind of what my point was going with that, because a guy like DeMarcus Walker setting the tone. And that's what we need out there. You know what I mean? He's the type of guy that's been doing many camp when we were out there. Mm. He was letting it be known to that offense. He was letting it be known to Justin. And they were going to be there. And that's good because I feel like that's just only going to make Justin better. We, all of us here on this, on this session today have all talked about the fact that we know that Justin has to take that next step to be who he can be in his league. But guess what? He doesn't get there unless this defense pushes him. And right now, day one, Justin, I thought, made it look easy. But then today, the offense, they took a little step back. It wasn't as clean as it was in day one. And that shows you that their defense, as we know at training camp, someday the offense is going to look super good. The defense is going to be out there looking bad. Well, today, the defense came back, and the offense wasn't as good. We had a Roshan Johnson fumble out there, right? There was a lot of pre-snap penalties. There's a lot of different things that we saw today that we didn't see day one. And I think, to that point, I named a lot of guys that were traded away, but somebody that wasn't traded away that I believe was that voice in the trenches was Akeem Hicks. And Akeem Hicks held you accountable. He's a psychopath. This guy was the type of guy to just slam his head against the wall three times before every water break. Like he's he's an absolute animal and, and you love guys like that. So to have somebody back in there who's, it, it means so much when it's a veteran. When it's a veteran versus a Travis Gibson, like when Travis Gibson does it, it's just a young guy talking shit. You know what I mean? Like it, it's all the flock you, you don't want to hear. Um, it's just like, come on, man, like who are you? But when you hear a veteran who actually comes from a place of understanding what it takes to win football games. Now, I didn't do a lot of it at Tennessee, but they also had that standard of, hey, we play with Derrick Henry. Hey, we play with guys that we're ready to eat. Like that's what it is. So I'm excited to see guys like that, man, and, and then Gawkway and whoever else enters the fold, Chase Young. Um, I'm going to keep manifesting that every single day until it happens. It's going to be a lot of draft picks. It's going to be a lot of draft I don't, I don't think so. I don't think it will be as much as you would think. With the ACL tear and, and not really having the greatest season, I, I'm not trying to turn it into another segment, but I, I think I think we could get them for the cheap. I don't know, man. They asked for mm. number ones. We'll see. We'll see. But last segment before we get out of here. Jalen Johnson, as you guys both talked about earlier, our lockdown corner, a guy that's basically in his, his contract season. 
Charles Tillman was at practice today, and I felt those guys over there having those conversations there during the warm-ups. And again, another thing that I had in my little notebook over here because that's something you guys know, you know to the show how much I love Charles Tillman, that peanut punch and what he meant to the Chicago Bears franchise and what he means to this team. A guy like Jalen Johnson, soaking in those type of nuggets from a guy like Peanut, who's wearing that 33, you know what I mean? When I, when I saw that, you know, I, I had a lot of pride just in, as far as a Bears fan, seeing the fact that Peanut has been coming back and pulling up, more so than a lot of players from that era, you know, they, they come back. You know, it's mostly him and Owen. But before we get out of here, when you guys hear that, you know, what, what kind of takeaways do you guys have from just knowing that Charles Tillman is there and it's part of that knowledge of the guy like Jalen? For me, Prez, that's just important to always see a player that done it very well at the DB standpoint. He's a very good cornerback. I mean, he held it down for the Bears. And the fact that we have our secondary soaking up that information, still learning things and still executing what he has actually have done on the field, that's always great. And I love to see someone who understand the culture of the Bears, understand what we're trying to achieve here. Pina is always a good person to bring in the building, man, to give some gems to players. So I love it. I can't wait to see him do it again. I mean, he's just one of those players who I think highly of, former players at that. And I think you're starting to see the intangibles. I saw a lot of, of, of Jalen Johnson last night and Peanut-esque type plays where he's trying to punch the ball out. He's trying to do the little things. And I think that carries a lot of weight, even small conversations. And not to turn it into a whole different conversation, but you've seen how John Lester, a former Chicago Cub, currently still helps a guy like Justin Steele, who's one of the best pitchers in baseball yep. right now. Like those things matter. Those conversations matter. Alumni being there is very important. This isn't like Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, who are just the the seniors that graduated that are still walking the halls trying to talk to all the freshmen. Like this, these are guys who actually have important input. These are guys who actually have something to say. And and I love it. And I think for a guy who's as receptive as Jalen Johnson, it's really dope to see him kind of become that mini version of Peanut. Now, it's not the same level to it, but he's in his own game. He's in his own world, trying to write his own story, representing that 33. And and you yep. love to see that. He's doing it in a great fashion. I mean, I remember, wasn't it Duke Shelley was wearing 33 for a while? And I was like, yeah, this guy's got to take that shit off, like, right now. Like, <laughs> take that shit off right now. Like, it's right. not going. Yeah, man, we we, we we nicknamed that man Toast on this show, and he uh, earned us. So. He earned it, and he earned that name. But, I mean, you guys both you know, make phenomenal points there when it comes to that, man. You can just never have enough of a, a Hall of Fame guy. Yeah, I said it. A Hall of Fame <laughs> coming back, right? And Jalen, right? We know this kid, he's got a lot of karma. Just to have a guy like Peanut, man, just, I, I don't even know what they were talking about, but I was like, shit, there's always certain people that I want to fucking have around me if I feel like I'm great. Peanut Tillman's is one of those guys. He pull up any day he wants to. All of us, we well, all three of us, we talk about this on our own individual conversations about having the right type of people around you with that similar mindset, right? You don't have to always think and agree with each other, but man, you've got to be always thinking about chasing great. I'm not trying to have nobody around me, man. It's just okay with status quo, right? Trying to get to the next level, man. I'll rock with you all day long, and that's what it's all. If Peanut is your mentor, you in good company. It tells me that you're looking to try to be great. And that, yeah, to me, yeah. that's what tells me about Jalen Johnson, that he wants to get better, man. And having that peanut Tillman in your ear, giving you good pointers and tips, man, you can't beat that, bro, at all. I've seen, I've seen it one time where a Bears alumni got it wrong when Jim McMahon handed Mitchell Trubisky the sunglasses and the headband. That was the only time I've ever seen <laughs> it go wrong. That was the only time I've ever seen it in a bad situation. Um, but I'm loving this connection. Peanuts continuing that every season. It's not just a one-time thing. I think it's going to be Yep. I, I, was, I was at that convention, Mike. I, I think McMahon, he was trying to manifest something. I mean, we, we know how that shit ended up going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understood it. Even Mitch was like, yo, take this off. Take this off. Take this off. He was like, he's, I'm not that dude, but thank you. I appreciate it. Man. But, man, Mike, hey, thanks for pulling up, audience. You're going to hear this guy's voice often this summer. We're going to have more for a lot of these Bears training campaigns. Mike, then before you get out of here, tell the audience how to connect with you on, on Twitter and whatnot. And thanks again for pulling up with us, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, it's a blast. You guys are some of my favorite people that, that I've ever worked with. You guys are always great time. You guys always have amazing insight. Just a casual, just great show that, that it's not forced. This is some great barbershop talk. I, I just love to see it. Nothing's forced. We're not just feeding guys down your throat. It's a great conversation. Um, you can check me out on the shy.kid on Instagram and TikTok. 
uh, on Twitter. Shout out to Bry because he actually corrected me earlier today. It's underscore the shy the shy kid. Um, so check me out there. Underscore the shy kid. Uh, this weekend we're going to be having interviews with former Chicago Bear leader of the 46 defense, Doug Plank. Uh, him and I are going to be grabbing breakfast on Saturday morning, then heading to the Sports Collectors Convention all weekend long. It's going to be a lot of fun. I hope you guys pop out to that. Hopefully we'll have um, him on the show here sometime. And we can definitely set that up. And I, I think, um, man, it's going to be an amazing summer chopping it up with you guys. And, and I just appreciate you guys again for having me on. That's sir, man. Hey, the, the originator of the 46 is welcome on this show anytime, any place. <laughs> and Mike, thanks again, audience. As always, we appreciate your continued support of the platform and for helping make us become a top 10 Chicago Bears podcast. I'll holler at y'all soon, but we are out for now. Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.